Happy ending, nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rule. So divide up. In darkness, from the ones who walk in light, light 'em up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the shadow out of sight. This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Today is the sixteenth of January. We're halfway through this month of Mondays. It goes on and on. <laughs> pretty soon, pretty soon along will come February, and it'll feel good again. Uh, it's almost spring. I saw one or two little pink blossoms, one or two just barely coming through. You know the spring appearance. They call that in Japan. Never mind. My mind is is.、Uh, All furry and cloudy. I stayed up until three a.m. last night watching Judgment at Nuremberg. Would you believe? I sat through、uh, the Golden Globes and、uh, Rome. It's amazing. The new season of Rome、uh, just began Sunday night, and rather than watch some parts of the Golden Globes, I was switching back to. To the first episode of Rome,、uh, I have seen it now, within two days, four times. Now that's an addiction. That definitely qualifies as an addiction.、Uh, what I can't understand is why Rome was not up for a Golden Globe. I, there must be some reason. Either that, I guess the, the the new season just started, but I don't understand the rules because obviously. It's number one,、uh, the HBO series Rome. I plan to review that Thursday morning at eight twenty.、Um, you know, it ties in with all of the things that are going on now.、Uh, it's the assassination of Julius Caesar back fifty years before Christ, and of course, it ties in with the assassination of、uh, Martin Luther King and the.、Uh, Well, all of the assassinations that have occurred since 1963. Let's start with the assassination of JFK.、Uh, we've had half a century, well, almost half a century, of、uh, trauma. You know, the transition from a republic to an empire. This is happening in our country.、Uh, oh dear, it's fascinating the methods.、Uh, And the changes, power politics shifting, so theatrical. In Judgment at Nuremberg, we see all of the、uh, points of view that was made in 1961. Spencer Tracy represents the American point of view, the old American judge. When I first saw that movie, I still believed that we were the good guys. I was young. <laughs> Sixty-one. I would have just had my first child, a boy who was the age of John Kennedy Jr. Little, little John John. Yes.、Uh, 
Sad, 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 sad. Uh, it's funny. The, uh, what is it? The moral ambiguities float around that film. Bert uh, Lancaster does a wonderful job of playing the... Uh, the egghead, the intellectual, the German who thought he was doing the right thing by staying inside the system, working inside the system, trying to mitigate some of the evils. Um, Tracy, of course, tells him that that was the wrong thing to do, to stay inside the system. It's a fascinating film. Most people can't take it anymore. There are beautiful bits in Judgment of Nuremberg, at Nuremberg uh, Montgomery Clift has a heartbreaking uh role as a man who was sterilized because his mother was, um, well, because they, the Germans believed him to be mentally defective. Uh, Judy Garland has a piece as um, a young woman who was accused of uh, having had a love affair with an older Jewish man. Both the actors were uh, Having a difficult time, Judy Garland was overweight, Montgomery Clift was recovering from a terrible automobile accident, and they did wonderful little turns as tragic figures. Uh, the great Marlena Dietrich is seen as the uh, widow of a German warrior, and she, of course, lives in a world of illusions. She thought that, uh, you know, they were doing these grand things. It's It's one of those movies that, doesn't wear well with time. It's too long. Uh, I think the Academy Awards went to, um, let's see, Maximilian Schell, who, as the uh, uh, defense lawyer, he turns into uh, Hitler himself, a Hitlerian type, screaming and yelling. Uh, Richard Widmark plays the prosecutor. He has a wonderful bit in the beginning what he points out is that these are not the men who did the torturing. These are not the men who uh, uh, put the Jews in the oven and so forth. These are the older, the statesmen, the men who were educated uh, educated intellectuals and uh, uh, elder statesmen at the time Hitler came to power. They were adults. They did not have the excuse of being young, carried away. I think of Hitler's secretary, who uh, died just a few years ago. And she once said that ignorance was no excuse, ignorance in youth, but that uh, she had been, what is it, in her early 20s and swept away by the power trip she saw around her. She compared herself to a young woman in the uh, White Rose Society, the uh, a young woman who died horribly with her friends because they protested uh, the fascist takeover and died for it. Uh, she says that those were the people she should have been with. But in any case, um, the point is well made. You see, it's the point that needs to be made in our country. Uh, it is not the young men, uh, the, uh, what is it? Let's see, the, what was her name? Um, English, whatever. Um, I'm thinking of the. I'm thinking of the young woman who's gone to jail for I think eight years because she uh, had her picture taken at Abu Ghraib, and uh, you know these underlings, these people that have been uh, scapegoated. When of course the uh, people who are responsible for the deeds being done are the. Uh, uh, the cabal in Washington. Never mind, don't. I mustn't get started on that. It's too wearying. 
I took one look at George Bush on 60 Minutes, calling himself the the great educator, and decided that uh, uh, my mind was too, too, uh, too frightened, I guess, too scared, too terrified. Um, So I've gone to the movies. That's what I've done to escape. I've gone to the movies. I wanted to see uh, Helen Mirren win her, her awards for playing Queen Elizabeth, yes, Queen Elizabeth, someone with whom, yes, I identify, I remember as a child, the Queen was always held up to me and my sister, yes, I was the age of the younger sister, Margaret, they were held up as the ideal uh, for behavior, yes, Helen won an award, most people were mixed up over whether it was for Elizabeth I or Elizabeth II, Elizabeth I, of course, was an Elizabethan, the current Queen is still with us, very much with us. God bless her bones. Uh, in any case, uh, Helen Mirren gave a, a very uh, nice speech. She underplayed the whole thing. She said that the award, of course, should go to the original, uh, or at least to the writer. Uh, I saw Elizabeth the first, the four-hour version with uh, Jeremy Irons, and I think it is pretty smashing. Uh, I'm not sure whether I like it more than Glenda Jackson's performance years ago that was a much longer series this one is a total of four hours long elizabeth the first but uh it is to die for just the uh the costumes that sort of thing uh but her performance uh the details yes uh highly recommended i think i've watched it through at least twice and uh there are little details that i think i liked the most uh I'm still much more enamored of Rome because of its very modern spin on power. It's, of course, a fiction fiction tale uh, using the real characters, uh, but uh, it is much more, what is it, uh, takes m- many more liberties with history. Uh, check out Rome. The new series began on uh, Sunday night. They were very wise. They put together the last episode of the first season in which uh, Julius Caesar is assassinated. And they jumped right into the uh, second season. I thought they might do a time lapse, you know, wait ten years or something. But they jumped right in and show you the power struggle between Brutus and Mark Antony. Uh, I noticed that there's been some radical changes. Uh, a lot of the reviews have reviewed a show that I didn't see. That is to say, uh, uh, it's been changed. Now, Tad Friend in the January 15th New Yorker describes scenes in the first episode which um, have either been cut, altered, or changed. So um, his impression, I think, is wrong. Uh, yes, he says, uh, yes, uh, he describes Anthony approaching Cicero menacingly parting his tunic and urinating into a plant. That scene was not in the show. Uh, Any number of scenes. Obviously, uh, this show must have a lot of outtakes. I bet you over the next uh, few seasons we will see more and more uh, stuff that wound up on the cutting room floor. In any case, the power play on Rome is the most brilliant uh, parody, parody, Well, at least analogy with the 
situation in our own country at this time, the ways in which power consolidates at the top, the ways in which uh, these Machiavellian men have taken uh, power for themselves. Uh, it is happening here, folks. We see it. And, of course, there are differences. <laughs> but but I think, yes, I love it here. They talk about uh, the town crier in Rome. This wonderful guy is a huge, fat guy. says embodies the culture of Rome. Yes, the ingratiating hypocrisy. It's a staccato manner, which is reminiscent of Fox News. Yes, Fox News stands up in the forum in Rome and delivers bulletins celebrating the latest battles, victors, and lambasting last week's heroes as traitors. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and those who fall, of course, lose their heads, literally and figuratively. Uh, ah, yes. Although blood sacrifice is not unknown... Uh, certainly not to our rulers. Uh, Caligula, eat your heart out. Um, in any case, uh, let me look here at the uh, the winners of the Golden Globes. I think the most fun for those of you who want to uh, be entertained, to uh, enjoy yourselves, I would recommend Borat. Uh, he won, dear old uh, Sacha Baron Cohen, uh, Bruno, yes, the Jewish comedian, uh, wonderful guy, wonderful guy. I think, I think that we have got something new here. Terry Gross asked him at one point, she said, you know, this horrible satirical uh, thing you do, you know, putting people on to show how incredibly stupid they are, you know. She asked the uh, actor, the comedian, she said, well, how are you going to feel when the second-rate comedians come along and try to imitate you, you know, and say all these hideous, racist, stupid things? And he said, um, well, perhaps they'll do a better job of it, that sort of thing. Let's hope. I think I'm with um, Terry Gross on that one. I, I dread the, uh, the follow-up on this. This guy is a genius now. Uh, whether or not other comedians can do as good a job of, what is that, revealing our bigotry and stupidity, I, I just don't know. Uh, according to Anthony Lane, yes, Anthony Lane is a critic in the New Yorker, uh, way back in uh, November, November 6th, he writes, Baron Cohen is one of the few British Jews to venture successfully into the comedy of shock. He points out that uh, it was predictable that Lenny Bruce, you know, was kicked out of London in 1963. He had no chance to perform. He'd, done, he'd performed in London once before, so <laughs> he was picked up, taken to the airport, deported, and banned from ever disturbing the British peace again. Yes. But Sacha Baron Cohen uh, has made it. He has made it. I think, what is the thing that he does? Uh, he, it isn't that he humiliates people. It's that he shows that we are all, or that the people he interviews are in a kind of TV trance. They're so used to the formula, to the script, to the pattern of questions and answers, and they're perfectly willing to assume 
that he, as a character from the Middle East, is an idiot. Uh, I've been watching his show, his regular television show, uh, Ali G, he calls himself. Uh, I hadn't seen much of it, and now I've seen, oh, hours of it on cable television, and uh, it isn't as uh, quite as clever or synthesized as the movie, but it is awesome. Uh, as he points out, he won't be able to get away with this uh, gag anymore. Like Michael Moore, he's uh, recognized everywhere now that the movie's out, and everyone will be on the lookout for him. But uh, <laughs> he certainly pulled it off. Uh, I would have thought that Newt Gingrich would have seen him coming. Goodness sakes. Ah, uh, uh, the way he mocks black culture is offensive to a lot of people. I, I think it all depends on who you are uh, and where you sit. His main man, Professor Noam Chomsky, yes, he calls him Norman Chomsky. <laughs> anyway, check out Borat if you need uh, a laugh. I think, yes, I think we can celebrate this guy and his movies, but once again, watch out about taking the children. Uh, Helen Mirren is the one I want to celebrate. Uh, I was looking through the other day uh, the subject of the film about the current queen, of course. It's all about Diana. And I had thought that there would be more in the movie about uh, the loss of Diana, who represents, of course, uh, oh, let's call it the, oh, Lord, I don't like to see her as the the feminine element, but, of course, she is. She's the victim. Uh, there's the ruler, there's power, you know, and then there's the people who take it in the neck. I don't quite see Diana as a Christ figure, <laughs> but in a way, she was a virgin sacrifice. Uh, the death of Lady Diana Spencer was an Elizabethan tragedy. And, of course, the current queen uh, had to play a role. She didn't quite understand her part in the play. Uh, let's see, you remember, what was it, Thomas Nash, the Elizabethan, he wrote Litany in Time of Plague. Brightness falls from the air, queens have died, young and fair. Diana was... Uh, the romantic theme played on a world stage. Um, the electronic media is a, a way of creating global grief. It can be done now in a matter of hours. Uh, everyone thought that they knew what was happening, you know. Uh, they knew that uh, something beautiful had died. The symbols were universal. The queen thought it was a private matter, you know, personal, personal grief. She didn't recognize the political opportunity, you know. She wasn't playing power politics. <laughs> we see things not as they are, but as we are. Was it Diana used to say, the things I've done for that family? <laughs> and of course, she means that dynasty. Partisan participation, yes, perception, pardon me, perception was completely partisan, you know. We all felt uh, 
what is it? I, I think I have to admit that I shed a tear or two. Uh, I don't know why I did think, um, that Diana was, uh, what is that? Uh, not just a yuppie, but uh, an example of the abuse excuse, all of the things that are wrong with her generation, but she also personified that generation, and she made their sorrows legitimate. Uh, and, of course, what was revealed were the spectators, the people who loved her, and, of course, the people who uh, looked upon her with irony, uh, Salman Rushdie wrote, uh, let's see, in the uh, 1997 New Yorker, he wrote that the pornography of Diana Spencer's death is apparent. She died in a sublimated sexual assault. I think that's a bit dramatic, but you know, Salman Rushdie. Uh, I remember watching the television coverage and wondering how the Queen would react. Uh, I played old English ballads from Shakespeare's plays. I wrote in my journal the lines from Webster's Elizabethan tragedy. Yes, cover her face. Mine eyes dazzle, she died young. That's from the Duchess of Malfi. Among Diana's ancestors is an Elizabethan poet, Edmund Spencer. Now, he wrote the fairy queen so beloved of English majors. Uh, I think that was a lyric evocation of the old religion, the old pagan religion, an ancient, uh, ancient Celtic magic there. Diana's mother and brother are recent converts to Catholicism, which speaks volumes to my way of seeing the English with their Anglican angst as a thin veil over their ancient beliefs. Remember now that uh, the present queen is uh, a German, of course. She's not uh, She's not one of the ancient ones. Uh, there was a clinical piece written by the editor of The New Yorker, Tina Brown. Tina Brown noted that Diana was almost wholly devoid of irony. How could poor Charles have known that the demure Deb he married would turn out to harbor a cache of emotions out of Emily Bronte? <laughs> what Tina Brown describes as a quality of driven earnestness is what I would insist is that strange human quality called innocence. Some called Diana naive. I don't see her that way. Although it's vital to remember she was a teenager when Charles proposed... Naivete is the mind, is of the mind, right? It's the mind that's a little childish. Innocence is of the spirit. A lot of dismissive things were said by some male pundits, William Sapphire, Christopher Hitchens. Uh, then there were the men who said loving things. Who was it? Clive James, yes. He concluded that he has loved the world of women because he feared the world of men. Well, that's not a very comforting <laughs> resolution. Anyway, he wrote a piece on Diana called Requiem. Uh, it was very loving. Uh, now, the women who commented, uh, I think, were more ambiguous. There was a tendency to explain their depth of, well, the depth of feeling caused everywhere by this sad event. Uh, 
as a way of expressing our general malaise. You know how that is. Uh, we're weeping for ourselves uh, more than for this specific woman. The point is, of course, that we are lacking in spiritual values. Some of us need an angel. I think of, uh, yes, Martin King turned into uh, a saint. Um, there is, of course, the triple goddess image, Diana and Mother Teresa both dying at the same time. Diana, Diana was either a fraud or a feminist or the worst half of both. I don't know. Uh, once upon a time, I wrote a satirical piece for a women's newspaper Long, long ago, in 1981, it was a take on the wedding of Diana and Charles. And I predicted that it was going to be a fairy tale by Grimm's. <laughs> I was particularly snotty in my description of all those older women, uh, the queen, and then the stepmother, Diana's stepmother, stepsisters, all of those women that we remember from the cautionary fairy tales. I felt that they were collaborators in this virgin sacrifice. I certainly felt that the queen did not take Diana into uh, her embrace. She certainly didn't help her. The queen mother tried, but uh, she didn't, what is it, she didn't understand Diana. My views have softened over time, uh, I see the political picture in a harsh light. Actually, Margaret Thatcher was the real mom, you know, the one who gives the spankings. I remember trying, trying to understand, uh, Elizabeth II at the time of Diana's death. Uh, she was trying to say she was sorry, but she didn't want to be hypocritical. She didn't want to uh, blubber and say that she loved her daughter-in-law. I did feel her pain. Uh, she got the picture faster than Charles did. He certainly was uppity. He wanted to have the funeral at St. Paul's. Uh, Churchill was uh, buried in, well, he, his funeral was held at St. Paul's because he was not a royal. And uh, Diana had forfeited her right to be a royal, but the Queen's instinct told her that the mother of kings, the mother of William and Harry, was of the blood royal. That, of course, is ancient instinct. So it had to be Westminster Abbey. Once upon a time, tribal councils of elder women chose the kings and chieftains of Britain. Those heathen Wicca inaugurated leaders over sacred stones which were said to speak aloud, signifying divine acceptance of each new ruler. You know, that in Rome, it's wonderful, it's wonderful. The funerals, the first episode, the funerals. Ah. Think of all the vestals, all that female stuff. It's quite startling in Rome to see Caesar's wife uh, bring a young woman, a lactating mother, into Caesar's uh, well, he's stretched out on the <laughs> on the uh, couch, uh, dead, and the mother puts mother's milk uh, at his mouth before he goes uh, to the funeral pyre. 
There is a stone still part of the coronation of British monarchs, the sacred stone under the throne, the ancient stone of scone. It's in Westminster Abbey, underneath the coronation throne. When Elizabeth II was crowned, she did not allow cameras to photograph that moment under the canopy when she was anointed with the holy oil. I think it's her race memory. She understands these things. See, Elizabeth II is about 80 now. I think it was too much to expect her to empathize with Diana. I mean, there's a generation gap there. Actually, even Charles and Diana had a generation gap. We are all products of our own time, our spot in history. Sooner or later, we'll all be pickled in the values of the past. The Queen, Queen Elizabeth II, was completely formed by her experiences during World War II. She believes in duty. She was, what is it, kind of an Edwardian. Still in her teens, she put on a uniform and drove an ambulance, worked as an auto mechanic in the army. This was not play. 40,000 British civilians died in the bombings during the London Blitz. Now, uh, if you think that Elizabeth is, what is that, uh, more, um, what's the word for that, more sheltered than Diana, I think you would be wrong. Uh, I remember an in-law of mine who was a night warden during the London Blitz and, uh, it was a defining experience for everyone involved. It's time for me to get off the air. I see I'm running over. Uh, check out 